When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody want to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep it love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name's Chris Lambert, and today we are doing a story with Jacoby Ivy. Jacoby, yeah, welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you so much, man. Uh, can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself? I am Jacoby Ivy. The Ivy is for four. I'm from the six, Toronto. And yeah, we're here to discuss Kanye, the man, the goat. <laughs> yeah, what uh when do you first remember hearing Kanye's music? Um funny enough, my first time ever hearing Kanye, I didn't even know it was Kanye. I heard slow jams. I was at one of my cousins' house and they were playing a mix C D, like back in the day they used to burn CDs and Slow Jams was on it. And I obviously only re- I only knew distinctively Twister, but I'm like, yo, who's this guy? Like the light skinned friend, the like <laughs> Michael Jackson. I was like, yo, this is cool. Like Who's this guy? And like, I didn't know it was Kanye for like the longest time. I, I always heard like the sample, and I always, anytime I seen the song, I'd always see. I'd only I'd only hear like Twister's part. I hear like the ending half of it. And then one day I was just flipping through the channels, and I seen the actual video, and I was like, "Whoa, this Kanye West! Like, who's Kanye West?" And that was like my first introduction to Kanye West. Ooh, and did you uh, did you jump right in to listening to the College Dropout, or did it take some time after that to kind of? dig up some more Kanye songs or hear something else on the radio? I was a little bit more like, when I heard that, I really liked the song, but like at that phase in time, I was more of like a kid. So I was really just listening to like whatever was on the radio, what was ever popular. And like, I was a huge G unit fan. So I was more into like G unit, D block, stuff like that at the time. So that, that kind of puts Kanye on your radar, but it's not the immediate, like Mm -hmm. I need to consume everything. Yeah. So if it came up, I'd listen to it, but I wasn't really like, this is LimeWire Day, so I'm downloading like one song at a time. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And that one song could take like hours of the day to yeah. download. Depending on your internet. <laughs> I remember trying to like download a movie one time, like Fight Club. I wanted to watch Fight Club and it took like a day and a half and then would it work? Yeah. Or sometimes it's that, um, that clip of um, Bill Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> yeah, always got that. Just like, why? Why? That was that was like the first troll of the internet, too. I mean, we don't know that. That's really funny. Um, so when, uh, what was the first album that you ended up listening to of Kanye's? First album that I could say I actually, like, listened to, understood, and, like, was able to take it in for what it was, was My Beautiful Twisted Dark Fantasy. Ooh. That was the first one I actually, like, 
listen to from start to finish. That's when I kind of got into, I was kind of getting ready to, I knew I wanted to make a project, so I was really listening to projects and seeing how they're constructed. So I was really listening to it from like start to finish, no skips, no nothing. Just I would sit down and listen to it, analyze everything, write down what I liked, write down things that stood out to me. But that was like the first one. I obviously went back to listen to a lot of other stuff, but it was that album. Uh, was that uh was that 2010 when the album came out 2011 a little after because it came out in November of 2010 yeah. was it, it was that around, yeah like little literally when it came out it was like January a little a little bit after when did he do the VMA performance uh that would have been like January February I think yeah right after that I remember um around that around that time I, that's when like the internet and YouTube kind of started to evolve so there was really a lot of those conspiracy theory videos on youtube like oh this person's in the illuminati blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> so i was really into that i was like checking out that kind of stuff and like obviously his name was brought up so i was like ah do i want to listen to this guy or do i want to whatever but i was like all right whatever i seen the vma performance where he wore the red suit and he was playing the uh, um the mpc and he had all the dancers and stuff and i was like yo this is actually like pretty cool i'm like I remember, like, cause still, I'm still, like, a little, I'm still impressionable. I'm, like, a kid. I'm maybe, like, 15, 16 at the time. So I'm, like, yo, I'm going to listen to this album. And you know how they, like, say, like, yo, you lose your soul. I'm, like, hey, if I lose my soul listening to this album, whatever. I'm just going to give it a chance. And it was one of the greatest things I ever did. If that album is such a jumping off point for so many people that we just talked to, like, you know, on Twitter that we've had on the show. <laughs> like, they had heard about Kanye, of course, because... It was hard not to hear the name Kanye yeah. West at that point um, and caught a few songs here and there and either kind of liked them or didn't like them. Uh-huh. But so many hip hop fans couldn't not pay attention when My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy came out and really connect with the album. Exactly. It was way just the packaging, the different like there's a lot of things that he did. I don't know if he did it because it's what he wanted to do or how he felt, but like just like the packaging, the different covers. There was like what a few covers for it. One of them got banned. So it was just the real like I guess that's when people really started taking not to say the art form of like the music wasn't there, but like the art was lining up with everything. Like the songs were were like the cover art matched the songs. The songs matched the videos. The videos told a certain like tone and like a lot of things that I noticed with Kanye is that every time he comes out he reinvents himself, but he also reinvents literally himself, the way he dresses, the way he talks, the way he does interviews, who he's aligned with, who he goes out with. And I feel like that's where that actually started. Yeah, that was such a such a change from kind of the, the stunner shade Kanye that we had seen exactly. and kind of the backpack Kanye. Exactly. Um, you, you had said that you had been a big G-Unit fan back when you oh. first heard Slow Jams and were listening to like that kind of that kind of music more so than Kanye had that still been a lot of the music you were consuming leading up to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy kind of that more like it wasn't necessarily like commercial rap but yeah it, it was in the borderline because it was, was what it was what was popular at the time right I was kind of listening to so right around that time I kind of geared out I was kind of phasing out of the G unit and I was getting more into like Lil Wayne. Like this probably like Carter two, maybe early Carter three. I was around that whole mixtape game. So I was listening to like Dipset and stuff like that. Okay. 
And it seems like, you know, reading when I first started listening to uh, Sade House and mm-hmm. reading up about you and that album, there was such an emphasis on art, right? Not just not just music, not just the commercial, but like art uh-huh. and what this project represents. And it seems like that would have been such a such a tipping point moment for you listening to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and as you were already pointing out the cohesiveness of the project not just as a product but as mm-hmm. a artistic work and i can just imagine like a teenage you kind of sitting there like looking at it being like oh my goodness yeah that's exactly what it was it was like everything everything lined up for me like it, it clicked like i got it it's just like okay cool this is, I know everybody expects me to be this, this, and this. So because I came out with the first three albums and I was leaning towards this, like the soul samples to this, to that, to this, this is where I'm at now. Like, this is what's in my head. Like, you know, where like you're out with a certain group of people and you know that, okay, cool. Like, okay, if you're going for an interview, you know, you have to act a certain way. You have to show that you're capable of doing the job. You're fit to do the job, stuff like that. And that's, I felt like, what he was doing with those first three albums was just showing people, like, okay, you guys like this stuff? I'm going to give it to you. This is what I, I felt like at that moment. He's like, okay, cool. I'm done giving you what what you think you want, but I'm going to give you what you need. And this is actually what's in my head. And I felt like with the abstract paintings and stuff like they did, like, where it has the bear's face, but, like, each, like, half of the face is a different expression. I felt like that was him going through, this is what's going on in my mind. So one minute I'm this, one minute I'm that. One minute I'm this, one minute I'm that, and I, he, we really kind of got a preview of what he thinks as a creative and what he thinks as an artist, and he was able to not only tell that through the album but through the visuals as well. Yeah, and that that idea of the multitudes of self and that contradiction that's like internal, that inherent like internal warring personality exactly. contradiction, we've seen that extend from my beautiful dark twisted fantasy into Jesus, Life of Pablo, Yay. Yeah. Um it's definitely been something that Kanye as an artist has been exploring and wrestling with and uh, it seems like it was such a big moment transition wise from graduation to 808s to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy what 808s did to kind of bridge the gap. Uh you almost think that with the reaction that album got the other artists would have gone back to their old sound yeah. rather than continuing ahead with like, mm, I'm going to keep doing it my way. Exactly. And like, it's little things like that, that I feel like not to say he's like the greatest artist ever, but I feel like for people, like even for myself up and coming, it's really hard to, if you don't sound a certain way or you don't shoot your videos a certain way, or you don't yeah. rap on certain kinds of beats, it's real hard for you to get, blog placements it's real hard for you to get noticed or even the right looks or these platforms that are putting up and coming people but it's only a certain sound i felt like through his journey to me it's just like every time when i was making state house or even when i'm making stuff today it's like i'm making state house and i'm making this abstract music and like i'm afraid to play it to my friends because just like i know what you're going to say but like oh well you know i understand what you're trying to do but you should make more songs like this and that his career and what he did from 808s until now was always just that subtle reminder that, yo, you don't have to do that. It's okay for you to do this because in the long run, they'll appreciate it. And then it really came down to 
thinking about every time I was doing the album, I felt discouraged or I wanted to try something new. It was, what are you doing it for? Do you want instant gratification now? Which they'll probably tell you it's cool, it's hot or whatever. Or are you looking for it down the road, down the line that, yo, when you did this at this point in time, we didn't understand it then, but three, four, five, six, seven years later, we understand what you're trying to do and that resonates with us. So it really comes down to as an artist, what you're looking to gain from it. It's such a huge, like risk assessment too right because you can talk yourself into well if i do this kind of commercial stuff now or do what everybody expects of me now maybe that'll give me the freedom later but then also you're doing what everybody else is doing so will you stand out at any point in time versus you know you may do what you're doing and have it be something as you're saying like years down the line it's going to connect but do you (laughs) do you have the do you have that ability to be patient yeah, it's 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 hard. It's a it's a hard balance because it's just like you can see everybody around you. Speaking for myself as an artist, I can see a lot of people around me who are doing the the bare minimum or doing just enough to get by or just enough to get on this on a on a platform. It's just like I can do that too. Why am I wasting my time and my money going to studio for sixteen hours, thirty two hours, or two days, sixteen hours back to back when these guys are literally going in there, not buying the beats, not leasing the beats barely paying for studio time, go in there, freestyle, add some effects, shoot a video in a hotel, put it out, and they're getting 100,000 views, 200,000 views, where you're taking the time to think like, yo, this verse needs to connect to this song because it means this. It's a real battle when you have like life coming at you and stuff like that. But then again, it comes down to the artist. Like, what are you doing it for? There's a lot of people who are popular now, and then a couple years down, not even a couple years, the way it's going now, you have like a year to six months. Somebody else does what they're doing better and they're out of here because they don't have anything to lock them into their position. Yeah. And then where do you go from there? Like, do you, you just, just restart? You, you wait and see what else, is, what, what else is popping and then you try to replicate that and hopefully you get back in the seat. Right. And that just, that feels like it could be so draining where if you're making the music that's true to you and making that exactly. music that you feel is giving you the most kind of like energy and vitality and is the exactly. project that you want to hear that, I don't know, something's going to click at some exactly. point in time because I mean, other people are going through what you're going through. Other people are feeling what you're feeling and the audience will come. It's just being able to continue to put the music out. Exactly. And like, I would always like argue with my manager and I have this saying that he hates it, but I always say it and like, it's true. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to, if you're, if you're going to like, let's say, okay, so satellites, if one of my singles, one of my hugest singles, the original version to satellites is like nine minutes long. My manager, my engineer convinced me to cut it down to four minutes so that we'd be able to shoot a video and be able to perform it and all kinds of stuff i was like okay cool we cut it down but like one of the things they kept saying was like you know if it's nine minutes no one's gonna listen to it because we're still trying to establish an audience and we should try to make it smaller like make things smaller for people to for, to make it easier for people to consume and like my saying that i always say is if they weren't gonna listen to it because it's nine minutes they weren't gonna listen to it anyway so there's no point of me trying to bend things to accommodate people who don't really care it's just like we're here serving steak to people who only eat burgers or they only eat fries and it's just like they're not going to appreciate you could dress it however you want put whatever sauce you want plate it on every plate but if they don't appreciate what's being given to them it doesn't matter what you do so you might as well do it how you want to do it so at the end of the day if they don't like it or it doesn't 
get on all the blogs or doesn't go viral, you could say, yo, regardless of what happened, I did that the way I wanted it to be and I'm happy with it. Yeah, not having that that kind of guilt's not the right word, but having that feeling yeah, exactly. of like, ah, you know, maybe it would have clicked had I had exactly. I done it that way. Like I'm sure somebody tried to talk Kanye out of having runaway <laughs> not have like a yeah. three minute outro. Yeah. Or just not doing 808s and heartbreak at all. Exactly. I don't think this is a good idea, but it's just like a good idea. Like, to, like I, and what I learned is music is very subjective. Like what you may think is the greatest thing in the world, I may think that it's trash, but it doesn't matter. Like if there's if somebody likes it or a group of people like it, it's likable, and you can continue to make that if that's what you want to make. You don't really have to say yo if your music doesn't sound like this or it doesn't fit into this pocket then no one's gonna listen to it there's always gonna be somebody or someone or a group of people out there that's gonna listen to it so just make what you want to make and hopefully just that audience builds and builds and you can see how mercurial it is even with an artist like kanye like you have artists that keep putting out the same sound over and over again And they can get the commercial appeal, but the recognition that they get kind of starts to fall by the wayside Yeah, where Kanye puts out the music that he wants to put out. And, you know, there's usually pushback at first, Yeah, Uh, but then years on like Yeezus, when Yeezus first came out, uh, it was like 80% of people I talked to hated the album. Yeah. This is trash. Why do you do this? This song shouldn't be here. Oh, I like these two songs, but the other songs are trash. It's like to me, that's like one of my favorite albums because it's it's what he wanted it to be. Like there are certain times where I felt like when I was creating stuff, I was like, oh, this is my Yeezus album because it's just like <laughs> I under I understand like wanting to be able to do something and not because you're not qualified or you can't do it. It's just people be like, oh, I don't think you should be able to do that. It's like, what do you mean you don't think I should be able to do that? And it's just like. When you get to understand what Jesus is and then when you get to see like the interviews and how he was talking and stuff like that, it was more than just like obviously there was the shouting and the screaming and all that. But it was really like, yo, you don't understand. Like what we don't understand is a lot of people were trying to say, oh, you're Kanye West. You can just do it yourself. You can just make it yourself. It's it's not the same. Like being an artist for myself, I wanted to do merch for State House. So I was doing a whole bunch of stuff, looking at sweaters and stuff like that and like i instantly started to understand his his gripe with the with the fashion industry it's like for an independent artist for me to do sweaters i want to sell at a show or anything like that like there's no real direct line for me to go to a a a hoodie that i mean a company that sells hoodies or t-shirts and be like hey man i want to sell 50 shirts um how can we make this work they they sell in quantities of a thousand two thousand so if i wanted to get 50 shirts going to be like $800 because they're giving it to me basically what I get at the store, 30, 40 bucks per shirt. And there's real, there's no real, I can't like, unless I have a, there's certain places where I can't even order or talk to them unless I have a business or I have a license or something like that. So it's just like, yo, I get it. Like you want to go to these print shops. Yeah. You may know someone who works at a print shop, but they still have to make the money. So they're paying $20 for a hoodie. That means I got to pay 30, 35 for a hoodie where there's no real direct line where you can go here, do this. You always have to do something through somebody. And if that somebody doesn't want to help you or that somebody doesn't want, doesn't think that you should be doing this, then you're stuck. You're dead in the water. You can't really do anything. It's not like where, okay, I want to buy a car. I just save my money and get a car. I don't like with that kind of stuff. Like 
in order for you to get a car, you have to know somebody who works at a dealership, then know someone who makes the car, and maybe the person who makes the car will give you a recommendation, and then you can get the car. That's kind of how like the music industry and the fashion industry were combining, and it was like really crazy because if they they're in a position where if they wanted to lock you out, they don't need to give a reason to lock you out. You're just oh, we don't think you're good enough, or we don't think that you'll be able to do this, and that's it. There's no no way around it. Which is like the fact that that happens on the independent level and then scales all the way up to what Kanye, the level he was on and what he was dealing with. It's just kind of mind blowing. Cause you think as you're saying, like it gets easier nope. and, and does it <laughs> like, no, the same kind of dumb politics keep coming up. So it's just like, what, like where do you go from here? Like the thing about music is as much as you're popular, whatever, you never get to choose how long you're popular. You're, when you're popular, you're popular, and then when they don't want to listen to you anymore or you don't have that influence anymore, that's it. You don't get to say, oh, can I have another 10 minutes because I wasn't prepared for it. It's gone. And like doing things like fashion or creating things or even like with the shoes that he was doing, that allows you to project yourself out of music but still be able to be relevant. And it's just like if you can see that, yo, musically, I'm only going to be at my peak for the next three to six years. What am I going to do now that I'm in my peak to make sure when those three to six years come, I'm still able to do something. I'm still able to influence something and to understand that your future is up in the balance. Because if you're not able to make it, if you're locked in as the artist, when your art isn't, when your music isn't selling as much or it isn't doing what people projected to do, you're out. There's no, like, if you're the, if I'm the main thing on the label and they're like, okay, we need you to sell records and my records aren't selling, if I'm still influential in the culture where I where I influence fashion or I influence architecture or I'm building things or I'm influencing other things that allows me to project myself out of music so maybe my records don't need to sell but because my shoes or my clothes or my buildings or my design sell I'm able to stay who I am where it's like people feel like you can't be name how many like I can't name too many artists who are just artists who have been able to do whatever they want forever because when you're just the artist the Depending if you're assigned to a major or whatever, like when you're just the artist, like once you're not popular anymore, maybe you're the maybe you're a legend or maybe you're oh this guy used to be good but he's washed up. Once you get that, not to not to put a diss on it, but like Bow Wow used to be like the artist, like one of the biggest things, and now he's not not to say he but he's not as big as he should be because we just decided he's not cool anymore, and it's so hard for him to put out music or put out creative things. It's like oh you're not cool anymore, so why am I gonna look at it regardless if it's cool or not? You know what I mean? Right, it's not like Bow Wow can go to just put out a single and be like, "Hey, radio, play this." They'd be like, "Are you Drake? No, get out of here." Or do you know this person? Or do you know that person? No, get exactly. out of here. Which is such a shame. And it's just like, well, you you get stuck. It's just like, and especially like, okay, so like when I made State House, one of my biggest things is was I wanted to start singing, and not singing to like say like hitting notes or anything like that i just wanted a different way to express myself and like i was rapping since i was seven and i think i was like what um i was like 23 at the time when i made it so it's just like i've been rapping for like what 16 years and like i was getting bored of it i felt like on certain when you when you have certain beats people expect you to sound a certain way they expect you to rap a certain way they expect they just have all these expectations that they want you to do with when you're rapping it's just like i got tired of always i felt like it was when people knew I was rapping. Anytime I went out, I felt like the 
circus animal like hey this guy raps can you freestyle oh you rap can you do this oh i felt like the circus animal jumping through the hoop like every time i went out i was like oh can you do this oh can you do that and i was like honestly i want to be creative as possible and i feel like singing allows me to be as creative as possible because i don't have to rhyme i don't have to use the that hay flow like dun, 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 hey dun. i didn't have to use that like i wasn't locked into that i could literally say whatever i want however i want and like the beats that we were choosing um, I was buying all the the stems to the beat, so I was able to take out drums. I was able to extend songs, take out the guitar, add a guitar. I was able to make literally make whatever I wanted, however I wanted, and there was literally no restrictions. If I want, like on the last song on State House, the original beat for that was like a minute and a half. I extended that to almost 11 minutes just because we had the track outs. There was really no limit to what I was doing at the time. The first time I saw uh, the State House track listing, I was most excited about the fact that Contradiction was 10 minutes and 53 seconds. It was just like, yo, this is the epic shit that I want in an album. Like, you want epic things in movies. You want epic things in books. But it's funny how we still, like, as you were saying earlier about your manager, like, no, you got to keep it four minutes. Like, epic stuff is awesome. (laughs) Exactly. And he's like, yo, I know, I know it's cool. Like he, he was a fan of the nine minute version too, but he's like, just because of the, what, who, who the quick, like we were still learning how to market and stuff like that, which is really huge. Like marketing is like, if you don't know how to market, you're just forget about it. Cause the way the internet is changing and the way they're, they're forcing the internet to work is like, you have to, they lock you basically how, how like Instagram, stuff like that, they lock your posts into like this room and you have the first three to five minutes of your post, if you don't have this level of activity during that time, your post is locked away and only a certain amount of people can see it. Like I have people who I talk to every day who post on Instagram every day and I never see their posts unless I have the post notifications on. So just little things like that. Like as an artist, you gotta you, you gotta be able to, yeah, make the music, make what you wanna make, but you also gotta know how to like market it. Like the days of you just throwing it on YouTube, posting a link and hey, can you check this out? that's over like people everybody like i felt like there's a point in time where like a few people did it nowadays everybody does it so you're not gonna get get away with a lot here a lot of artists like crying like, even like i was one of those artists too like yo people were complaining that everybody makes the same music and like i went out of my way and i made this album that's different and nobody's listening to it or nobody's retweeting it it's like yo you have to market it you can't just rely on the fact that you sound different or you look different or it's different from what everybody else is doing you still need to get those eyes and like I feel like with artists and like a lot of independent artists we don't really squeeze the orange we'll we'll have the orange we'll brag about it we'll say hey I'm having an orange I'm gonna I'm gonna have an orange sharing party on Friday and then they have three oranges they cut two in half and they give it to everybody and they're like okay yeah now I'm gonna have another party for strawberries it's like you gotta cut the oranges you gotta squeeze them you gotta make juice you gotta make orange pie you gotta make sure that you're doing every (laughs) you gotta stretch it because if you're not like a lot of people feel like, oh, first month I'm promoting and then after that I'm on to the next project. Like you can if you if you build your, your work strong enough or you you have your stuff set up, you need to be pushing that for like a year, two years, depending if it's a single or a project. There's so many ways you could like like they used to do back in the day, like you put out a you put out a you put out an album or you'd work on an album, you put out the single. The single was really big. You'd wait till it died down. Then you did a remix. In the remix, you got all these other artists or whoever was popular at the time do the remix. Then you maybe shoot another video. Then maybe when that dies down, depending on where it is, you do a East Coast remix, a West Coast remix, shoot another video. Like they were 
making sure that they were getting what they deserved from that single. It wasn't just, oh, I put it out and nobody looked at it, so I'm just going to do something else or I'm just going to complain because nobody's looking at it. You really got to squeeze the orange and make sure that you're getting everything you can from it. Because it's not like post your video one month and then, oh, well, I'm working on something new. Like You've got to be in everybody's face all the time. Yeah, that, uh, that, uh, what's the word? Like saturation or like, you don't want to oversaturate, but just trying to make sure that like you're out there being heard and that things not just a whisper in the wind. Exactly. That's, that's disappointing in a whole other way. Exactly. As you said, like there's this idea of, it, it takes all this work just to make it like, to create this thing, all the time and effort, all the hours that went into honing the craft, all the hours that went into just this track or project. And then you have to then put in all these other hours just to market it, which can be exhausting at that point, but also is the thing that kind of makes or breaks. And I mean, you see artists that you can look at and be like, yo, that hustle, like, it's not just the artwork that I, or the art that I admire, but it's the fact that they kept on the grind. Exactly. Got to keep pushing it. Got to keep posting it. Maybe this, maybe you, same album, you release a new cover. So it looks new to somebody else who hasn't seen it or somebody else has seen it. It looks new to them. You got to think of ways to creatively, like for my management, we always talk about antics. Like, you know, the, the artists who like, do like dumb shit they'll go in the mall scream or do some kind of challenge like you got to find something like antics that's good that works for you that you feel comfortable with and with your brand and you got to like be out there like you have to you there's no reason for you to be going out and you're not talking about your album or you're not talking about what you're working on you have to kind of like every person you meet because you don't know who knows who you have to sell yourself you have to say hey uh you do this well i do this and this is also what i do and this is this 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 and this because it's just like you can't everybody's stuck in that that youtube era i think it was like 2009 2010 where you just put it on the internet and people were on the internet looking for new things or the next cool thing to look at it's just like nobody's doing that anymore most of the stuff that like if you don't have a certain amount of interactions or followers or you're not using those like if you look at any social media there's rarely any social medias out here that don't hey you can pay to promote this and then you people more people are likely to see it they're doing that on purpose if you're not paying a promoter you're not doing any of those things they're wasting your time because nobody's gonna see it and expecting i feel like a lot of people get mad when like oh my friend didn't post my album it doesn't matter if your friend posts your album it's more than that you just oh i know 100 people i'll get 100 people to post it it's more than that you have to get people that you don't know to post so you got to get spaces that you're not in so you don't go to the club how is how are they going to play your music in the club if nobody knows you? You have to go to the club or you have to connect with somebody who goes to the club. There's so many different avenues from it. And it's just like when you're creating, it doesn't make sense for you to take six to eight months to make this awesome album and then 56 people hear it and you're confused. <laughs> no. and everything, You know what I mean? Yeah, abs- absolutely. It's it's funny to me. Like, as you're saying that, it, I'm just thinking about Kanye still went on Jimmy Kimmel to promote Ye. And it's like, he's Kanye almost two decades into his career, and he's still going on to a talk show and making sure that the album is discussed on the talk show and that the album cover is shown. You have to. Can't get too comfortable with that kind of thing. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm so-and-so. And like if someone like 
and like not even to say like someone like him is doing it, but like the fact that he is doing it leaves you no excuse for you not to be doing it. And like, look, he it's not even like he went on the quote unquote press run that artists do. Like it was already out. It's been a couple months. It was whatever. Like he wasn't on that. Oh, it's coming out Friday or it's out now press run. Like it's been months, but he still made sure to do that press run because it, it's needed. You have to do those kind of things. Yeah, it's it's funny to me because so oh, funny is not the word, but it's 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 interesting because so much of what you're saying from this perspective of the of the artist that's upcoming, right, still relates to things that we see Kanye doing at this point. Like he still has the antics, quote unquote, uh-huh. before the album comes out. Before you know, Yeezus came out, he was doing Yeezus shits that drew all the media attention to him before life of Pablo came out. He was doing all these things to draw all this attention to him right before the album. Same thing with yay, all these, which that was probably the most controversial, but (laughs) all these things to just dominate the media cycle. You have to, Mm. because if if that's not, if that's not your goal or that's not your intention, then why bother? Why not? If you, if you have a chance to – oh, that's a terrible example. If you have a chance to reach 10,000 people, all right, cool. like you, you can reach 1,000 people with minimal effort or you can really put in the effort and reach 100,000 people, meaning 100,000 people heard your stuff. If 50% of them hear it, awesome. If 30% of them hear it, awesome. You, you, got, you have to. Like you can't just – there's very little artists there's, that are able to just put out and just be like, okay, whatever. Like even though – the artists who disappear after they put out music or you don't really see them when they're doing that quote-unquote press run and like a press run is like a lot of people don't understand it's not just going to a radio station or going here or talking to zane low like there's like for me like a beyonce press run is like she'll do a tour or she'll do some kind of performance whether it's a super bowl or something like that like that's her press run she'll do a super bowl do a or she'll do coachella she'll do like this big grandiose thing and she's out of here. But you may not. It may not be your standard press run where you go to the radio station, you go to Hot 97 or the Breakfast Club. But that's her press run, and that's what works for her. But she still does it. She doesn't just put out music and you never see her. You never see her. But when it's press run time, oh, you're gonna see her. And then when press run time's <laughs> over, she's out of here. You have to. No one. No one escapes it. Even Drake does it. When it's press run time, he does what he has to do. He hypes it up he had, like in toronto he has like the billboards uh, i i yeah, ever since like when was it i think it was like thank me later i know for sure take care he has a little on the highway this big ass billboard and it and it shows it shows all the, it shows all the stuff so it's just like you have to do it if those guys are doing it and they're already established you have to do it you can't just say oh well you know gotta get it done right or i'll wait until <laughs> until yeah. i'm there and then i'll do it yeah. um so it sounds like, I mean, you're obviously insanely passionate about not just the music, but the the professional aspects of it. Was there ever a period where you were listening to Kanye and it was just, um, oh, I'm, I'm getting to enjoy the music? Or has it always been, I'm studying him, I'm studying him, I'm studying what he did on this album, I'm studying how he went about uh, all this stuff around the album? It was it was always studying, man. Um, it was I felt like I'm trying to think if there's ever a point where it was just, oh, this is nice songs. I think around um, 
funny enough, I didn't really like him around graduation time because I was still like on the G unit wave. So I, I didn't appreciate him trying to go head to head with 50. Like I hated um, what's the song with T-Pain? Good Life. I hated that song. I really hated that song. I still kind of hate it to, to this day. <laughs> I like, like the transitions he does when he performs it, but I still like hate that song. If it comes out, I'll probably like change it. Not because it's a bad song or anything. I just felt like it got overplayed like way too much. So I really, I can remember distinctly like hating that song. I hated the video. I just hated everything about it. But like it's always been, it's always been studying and like studying in a sense where it's not like I'm a weirdo. Like, okay, so when I made State House, I re- um, State House, if nobody's really too familiar with it. It is my interpretation of 808 to Heartbreak. So I listen to 808s and Heartbreak, only 808 and Heartbreak, every day, every night for six months. And I studied the sounds he used. I studied the way he bent his vocals and stuff like that, the way he used the auto-tune. So I studied that completely. So a lot of the songs kind of reflect some of the, some of the songs that are on there. But I, listen, I listened to it, heard his story. I basically said, okay, this is what you went through at that time. I reinterpreted it and put it into my own life, um, moving forward with stuff like that, I really just started to study the performance aspect. I really started to study the, tr- like, even like the little transition in songs. So like, um, what is it? In New Slaves, the transition at the end with Frank Ocean, where they do the cover of that song, like those kind of transitions, those kind of things, stage lighting, staging, like that's when I really start to get into like, okay, this is, this is what we have to do to we're already setting ourselves apart. This is like the icing to the cake. This is what we need to do to show that it's polished. Like even like what I started doing, um, when I was performing, when I was doing like the whole state house run and I was performing, I actually got into the co-chair mask kind of aspect. And like a lot of people were like, oh, you're wearing a mask like Kanye and you're trying to copy that. And it's like, yo, it's not about the mask. Like the mask wasn't about, oh, Kanye did it, so I'm trying to do it. What the mask meant to me was, yo, a lot of these, because when I did State House, I kind of was in a group before. I did a rebrand. I was a solo artist. I came out brand new, new sound. Like even people who've heard me kind of like make music before haven't heard anything that I'm making now. So essentially I was quote unquote nobody. I was a mystery. The whole point about the mask was I'm wearing this mask. You can't see who I am. You don't know what I look like. You can't, like a lot of people make preconserved notions like, oh, I don't like the way his hair looks. So I don't like him. Or I don't like his nose, so I don't like his music. I felt like wearing the mask when I was performing in a lot of these venues was, you're listening to me. Does, can't really see how I look. You can kind of see how I dress. You can kind of, but you're focused to listen to the music. And because of the mask, you're trying to see what's underneath the mask or see if you can see who's in the mask kind of thing. So I feel like just the fact that you're paying attention to that subconsciously allows you to listen to my music. And that's kind of why I started wearing the mask and performing and stuff like that. And even like performing, I remember when I knew I was like the ultimate Kanye fan was when I was getting ready to do my first show that I ever had at the Mod Club. Me and a bunch of my friends and people I record with, we set up a show at the Mod Club independently on our own. And we were, they're like, okay, cool. We're headlining. So we're doing like 25, 30 minutes set. I was like, okay, cool. For maybe like six months, I studied his Made in America performance. Um, 2014 Made in America. I studied that for maybe six months. The transition, the lighting, how he brought in certain songs. We're like, okay, so he did this on the Life of Pablo tour where he did Father Stretch My Hands. But what he did when he was introducing it at the beginning is was he played the actual sample. So the sample started however the original song started. Then it kind of got into the part where it was, oh, then you hear the, you're the only power. 
pa. And then like I heard that and I was like, oh shit, that's that's really dope. Like we can transition certain songs like this. And because I was buying the stems and all that kind of stuff for the songs, I had the ability to make these extra long intros, make these intros where it's the intro from the original song, but I pitched it down five semitones. So it sounds different, but you're like, oh, this sounds like that song. And like what I what I realized that those transitions allowed you to do when you have a 45 minute transition where it's either when he was performing with the Yeti mask where it had the waterfall or stuff like that is it allows you to to give your 100 percent while you're performing. So I can go for a short section of a song. Another thing that I learned from that is like I don't have to do the full song. Songs five minutes. I don't really have to do the whole five minutes. I can do the intro first verse transition so during that one minute time where i'm doing that song i can perform 100 percent during that transition that's 45 seconds 30 seconds i'm able to catch my breath i'm able to breathe i'm able to do certain things where a lot of performers get winded because they're jumping around for the whole five minute song then the next song comes they're like okay my next song is (laughs) those trend like little things like that a lot of people would just see it as aesthetic or things that he was doing but those things allowed him to do it 100% and then it doesn't look like he's taking a break but when you have that harp or that instrumental or those strings like the all of the lights intro when you have something like that boom that comes out a dancer comes out the dancer's dancing that allows you to breathe that allows you to all right I'm going to re-energize we're going to go again strong it's like a workout we're taking a little rest we're about to go strong again for another couple reps another couple sets boom then we take a break like just studying all those things that help me to like be a better performer, make music better, transition things better, learning song structure. Song structures is one of the biggest things that I learned from just studying his albums. And like a lot of people think it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, outro, done. Where when you look at Yeezus, it's these long ass verses, <laughs> chorus, maybe like a feature or a sample or outro, or maybe a beat change, done, next song. So just like it was always, always studying for me, thinking of he did this. How can I do this? But in my own way and then excel it. Like I remember watching Runaway. The first time I ever watched it, I was like, I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, what's going on? Like, then I read this. Um, somebody dissected it. And then I under- kind of understood what was going on. I was like, cool. My next thing I need to do is I need to make a short film boom went out made a short film and just watching the way he transitioned things did the songs how he did the video for runaway it was an excerpt from the short film so he took it out of the short film released it separately it was just always like i can't like i'm even trying to think now like was there a time where i just listened to it to be like oh yeah this is good music uh just listen (laughs) to it like it was always studying studying how did you do this how did you do that when you did this and then you said this how did they react to it? And it's just like, that's the biggest thing that has always kept me with him. What's so cool to me about what you're saying is I had, uh, when you released Sade House, you had this uh, letter that came out with it where you oh. talked to creatives and you had discussed how so much of your musical journey up to Sade House had been making music that was for commercial appeal rather than music that was your music, your sound, uh, what you wanted to say and needed to say, mm-hmm. and how uh, dehydrating that first version of making music was to where you loved uh-huh. being creative, but you weren't getting to be creative. You were just kind of getting to be uh, uh, imitation. 
at that point mm-hmm. uh, and not get your true voice. And with State House, it was this like getting to be your true sound and your true voice and just hearing how you're describing uh, the process of getting into breaking down these things Kanye did and able to appropriate them in your own artistic uh, vision and view. It seems like there was such a such practice through that initial deconstruction and analysis of the commercial music that mm-hmm. even if the music from that time was this not something that you were happy with, the process of analysis that went on with that has allowed you to start studying Kanye in that way that you're now able to find out what makes these things tick and work and then do them through your own methods, which is so empowering at that point. Cause then it's just like, I guess I felt like when you're doing, well, when I was doing like the commercial stuff or just doing it because it was popular, I felt like I was always like, battling it's just like okay i would make a song like let's say drake would make like a certain kind of song i'd make a certain kind of song in that vein and then people would be like oh i love this drake song I'm like oh you love that drake song well oh okay he'll listen to this it's like oh it's all right it's just like yo you said you like that kind of music i made that kind of music how could you not like it like it was that battle of like okay so then if if it doesn't matter what i make to try and quote unquote make what you like you don't really know what you like. You just like what you like for whatever reason. Maybe you only like it because it's Drake. If somebody else sang it or said it, you wouldn't like it. Okay, cool. Let's just stop trying to make something that – to make something to make for a specific person to say, oh, well, I'm looking for your approval. Just make whatever I want to make. And if you like it, awesome. If you don't, I like it. So it doesn't matter. Right. And Kanye seems like the ultimate artist to kind of draw that inspiration from just because he is so much I'm doing my own thing. And it's it's – funny how there just seems to be kind of that mirroring journey where his first three albums were more so in the commercial realm of things before getting into you know that 808 sound and for you that 808 sound was really the stepping out as well um yeah what made you choose 808 from all the albums that you've you know listened to all the albums you could have drawn inspiration from what was it? Did you have a, a relationship with that album uh, after you had heard My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, kind of connecting with 808s? Or is it just when you started turning your attention to your next project, it just so happened to align with that 808s sound? How it kind of came together was, okay, so I kind of made Sade House backwards. So the first song I ever made for Sade House, I didn't even know I was making it for Sade House, was A Contradiction. So I made the contradiction. Um, There's like five versions of it. There was one where it was just the original beat. Then we recorded it and we we're like, yo, this is really dope. So I went back, I made it a little bit longer, like a standard time, like three minutes. And then I got the track outs, the stems or whatever. And then I just started playing with it. And then I made this song. I made the 10 minute, almost 11 minute song, different transitions. That was like my first time like making something like we, like, um, I, I physically can't make beats, so I can't, like, do it myself. But, like, I just sat down, told my engineer. My engineer also makes beats, what I wanted, how I wanted it, and we literally just constructed it. So I was sitting there with – this is the actually kind of funny. This is, like, a turning point. I was sitting there with this 10-minute, 11-minute song, A Contradiction, and, like, a bunch of other, like, radio songs. I was working with this company at the time, and they were like, okay, what are we going to do with this song? Like, it's not – 
commercial. It's not really marketable. What are you going to do with it? And I was like, I don't know, but it's like the greatest thing I've ever made. And I need to continue to make this. Like, it's, I can't, after making that, it's like, I can't go back to making that. And like, they were like, oh, well, you know, this is kind of when we, because when we started, got into the partnership, I was making that kind of music and that's kind of what they wanted to do. And I was like, but I can't make that anymore. And they weren't understanding, like, what do you mean? Like, you could just go to the studio and whatever. I went through maybe about two years of just making half songs or trying to make, like, I couldn't find beats. I could, I don't know how I found that beat. I couldn't find beats. I couldn't, there was no other production that sounded like that. So I literally, for two years, that whole time was trying to make whatever they wanted me to make so I can continue to work with them. But still looking for beats that sounded like that. And then I was like, holy shit, like, what am I going to do? Like, I want to make songs like this. But I, there's no production for me to make these kind of songs. So I'm kind of stuck where I know what I want to do, but I can't do it. Then randomly one day I was on YouTube and I found uh, my producer, one of my favorite producers, SB95. I found his page and he made a lot of like abstract kind of like Kanye beats. And I was like, holy shit. Seen a whole bunch of beats by him. I'm like, this is it. Went back to the, the, the company I was working with. I'm like, oh, this is what I'm doing. They're like, oh, we're looking for more of a commercial sound. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So we're not too sure, but if you make it, then we'll talk about it from there. So I was like, oh, all right, whatever. I love a challenge. So I listened to, <laughs> I listened to the contradiction I was listening to, it, and I was like, this is really, really emotional. Like, it goes through, like, a whole bunch of different emotions when you listen to it. And, like, it was really, like, what I was struggling with at the time. So I was like, how can I be more emotional? How can I be more open in music? Like, how can I not, not say I wasn't telling the truth, but tell my truth as real as possible. And I was like, ah, I'm gonna listen to 808s because I know the biggest thing about 808s is that he was going through a rough time and he really wanted to express himself in a certain way. So he he, um, he made the album. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna listen to 808s. And because it was very heavy on auto-tune and he wasn't really the best singer or he, not the best singer, you don't need to, you don't need to be the best singer to use auto-tune, but he was still kind of learning how to use it. I was kind of learning how to use it. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to listen to 808s and we'll go from there. And I was just listening to it. And then I was like, I was just writing down little things. And then one time I was like, weird enough, it's like I used to get a ride with my dad to work. And like, I don't know when I became like this, but like, I can't be on my phone. Like I get motion sickness. So I can't like read or anything when I'm in a car. So what I would do is I would just put the album on and I'd like close my eyes, maybe fall asleep or just meditate and think of stuff. And street lights came on. And it was like... It was like a summer night. The street lights just came on, and I was just listening to that. And I was like, "Damn! Like, if you can really lock into this kind of song or this kind of like thing, like it's really, it's really powerful. Like something as simple as the street lights always glowing." And I was just like, "This is this is what I need to make. Like, this is what I need to listen to." And then I just kept listening to it. I was listening to the the beats that they were making. I listened to like how we use. Like, a lot of people don't realize like the the guitar amp that he started using was in that he was using it as back vocal so he'd have his main vocal clear then he had like the guitar amp so i really started using the guitar amp i learned how we there's different levels of the auto tune and stuff like that and just studying how we did that i started making that kind of stuff that's so cool <laughs> i'm such a fan of it and i'm such a fan of the final product like i uh i've been listening to state house over the last few months and every time i go through it i'm just impressed by it and uh -huh. happy with my experience what's your what's your like three favorite songs you know so the build-up to the last part of sade house is 
awesome. Like I always get so hyped in that like last minute when uh-huh. the when everything kind of kicks in. Yeah. Uh, I dig accommodates uh-huh. a lot as well, and still the contradiction, like uh-huh. just how uh-huh. everything builds to the contradiction and the catharsis. It's part of an eleven-minute journey. Like you go through, you know, this thirty-minute journey to get there, or forty-minute journey to get there, and then to have the eleven minutes of contradiction. That's like the season finale. Yeah, I, I dig that. Uh huh. Even like for Sade House, the actual song Sade House. The cool thing about that was I was having a lot of trouble doing the the first half. Like I was trying to like sing something. And it wasn't working. Like I was singing and I was like, it doesn't, it's not doing what I wanted it to do. And then I heard, um, I even just remember listening to that song for the first time. Like, I think I cried. I was listening to, I feel like that. Mm. And then I heard it. I looked up the, the lyrics and I was like, that makes he's sense. Just, he's just talking. He's thinking, basically thinking out loud that he's just talking. And I was like, this is what I got to do. I just got to spell it out. Like literally like, the things that I'm saying, I like though before I start rapping at the end, like that's literally like everything that was going through my mind while I was making this. And it's just like instead of trying to fit it into a cadence to rap it or instead of trying to find the, the right words to sing it so people will sing along, just say what it is. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about that track is that contrast, not quite contradiction, but the contrast between the first half energy and that last half energy mm-hmm. uh, from how you're delivering like the speaking to the rapping to like the soundscape being more of a low key to having more of the energy at the end. It's really cool. And just, I think about the, I feel like that dynamic with all day, like that mm-hmm. video where you get all day, but the video yep. keeps going into, I feel like that's, and you're just seeing that kind of yeah. mania followed by the, the downturn. Exactly. A lot of people don't really like, even like when I showed a couple of people the video, I'm like, what do you think about the second part? They're like, what second part? I'm like, a lot of people get to see the hype of it or the, the glory of it, but not a lot of people get to see the downtime or when you're coming down off of that high. And like that really, that part of that really spoke to me because it's just like a lot of people feel like, even like when they, um, even like with Ye, when he came out and said like, I'm bipolar, a lot of people thought like, that was like a, a scapegoat to say, oh, he was doing all that other stuff because, and now he's quote unquote bipolar. Like, oh, who cares? Like, no, if you go back and you listen to it, like you can, you can hear it. You can see it. It's there. Like it's more than just a quote unquote marketing strategy where he did all this stuff and now it didn't go the way he wanted to. So now he has a mental illness. It's like, no, it's always been there. You just haven't noticed because you were too busy basking in power and all day and stuff like that. You were too busy basking in the, the triumphantness of it and so like you didn't you didn't get to see like one of my biggest things when i was making the album i'm making right now which i'm still making it was when when i was talking to my manager he's like explain to me what state house was i said state house was basically me saying my truth and saying who i am or what i want to be he's like okay what do you want to do with this album and like i basically said what i want to do with this album is i want to show you the armor i want to show you that i'm invincible i'm superman i want to display all my strengths, but at the same time, if you look closely enough, I want you to see that there are still cracks in the armor. And like, I feel like that's what he's been doing the whole time with his music is obviously the cockiness, the brashness, the aggressiveness. It's showing you like, yo, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. But then when you look close enough, when you have that little magnifying glass, it's just like, 
well, the chest plate is broken and the shield has a crack in it, but we're not going to focus on those things, but they're still there. Like a lot of people glance over that. Yeah. That's such a huge part. Like uh, we, we posit that graduation is Kanye's first attempt at a narrative album, uh, Mm -hmm. where it's story beginning, middle and end throughout the album. And you see that development of the ego and armor after I wonder, like mm-hmm. he decides to dive into the celebrity life with good life. And you get those songs like can't tell me nothing and Barry bonds and mm-hmm. the glory and everything I am that make him into this like larger than life persona that seems to have no, uh, no flaws, but all yep. of that's undercuts by homecoming and big brother yep. where no, he can't come home. He has the glory. He's reached the glory, but he can't come home. Yep. Can't go back. Nope. And what's lost in getting that it's, it's so subtle, but it's what makes it enduring rather than just some throwaway commercial album. Yeah. And it's just like the whole point of getting, so it's, it's kind of like this full story. It's kind of like almost like the lion King, but not with like the happy ending where like you leave, you leave to get the glory. You have the glory and it's just like, now I can't go back. So it's like, what do I do? Where do I go? That's how you get, get lost. You try to find yourself. Then you start thinking like, okay, was I really supposed to do this? Like, is this what I was supposed to do? Or was I supposed to be normal? Was I supposed to stay here? Or maybe I was, so maybe the people only love the journey of me getting the glory. Maybe they didn't really want me to get the glory. And now that I've exceeded their expectations, they hate me. It's just like, was I supposed to be halfway? Was I supposed to be the full thing? And like, that's that's the thing that speaks about me because everybody says like, oh, you know, when I came up, nobody liked me and everybody hated me. And it's just like, okay, I'm the man now. And like, they still hate me or I can't go back there. Or I can't be this. It's just like, imagine you think like a lot of people say like money isn't the key to happiness. Imagine you spent your entire life trying to be rich and then like you're rich and you can't do shit. You're like, oh, all the shit I thought I could do I can't do so it's just like what the fuck like how do you how do you figure that like imagine dedicating your life to do something and then when you get there it's just like oh well that thing you thought you could do you actually can't do it when you get here so kind of wasted your time kind of thing you know what I mean yeah and there's a lot of emotions that comes with that like who well uh emotions sacrifices absolutely absolutely well, I think uh, we're getting to the the wind down phase of the conversation, sadly. But uh-huh. uh, what are your top five tracks? Top five songs. They fluctuate every day, but top five, I would say number one for sure is Wolves. Hell yeah. Wolves. And, and then from, from this on, no particular order. Wolves. Um, I feel like that. Bad News. Uh, I'd give it to damn. I'm really trying to like think. I wonder. And number five, I would say I would give it to. I really like highlights, so I want to say highlights. <laughs> highlights is pretty infectious. Yeah. Um, and then top three albums. Top three, um, I would say coming in at number one would be 808s. Number two would be Life of Pablo, just because it gave me so many moments. Like when I say moments, like you can like, like I remember what helped me start doing State House. Like I knew I, I had the idea, 
I knew I wanted to do it. I was kind of starting to do it. And I was like, ah, maybe I should just do the commercial shit because I can't figure this shit out and nobody really understands what I'm trying to do to help me. So I could be potentially just wasting my time. So I was like, you know what? I'll just make whatever. I remember watching the Madison Square Garden for Yeezy season. I think it was three. It was three. three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was three. And he was just talking. This is a part where, like, I think it was just before Young Thug grabbed the ox core. They were talking, and he's like, yo, man, do what you want to do because blah, 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 blah. And then that's the song I made, like, right after hearing that was Accommodate. The beginning of Accommodate. One light to live, put your hands up. If you ain't compromise yourself, then put your hands up. If you don't really give a fuck, that, like, that little speech that he did there at the end of it, that was, like, what jump-started the album. It's just like, yo, one life to live. Like, do whatever you want to do because at the end of the day, like, people are going to tell you, oh, you, like, you're really good at drawing? Draw. Because at the end of the day, all those people who told you that you shouldn't have done it or you couldn't have done it are just going to be like, oh, well, you're really good. Why didn't you draw? And you're like, oh, shit. Why didn't you just, why didn't you just do your thing? It's just like you can't really live off of if I did this or I should have did this, just do it. And if it's what you want to do, if it works, awesome. If it doesn't, you learn. Hell yeah. Um, so, so that I, puts Life of Pablo at two? Yeah, and then I would go for Yeezus. Yeezus is real good. And then Twisted Fantasy. And I have one more. I would give that to... I like Ye. I really like Ye. I really like how he was... Like, with every album you see, kind of like... Twisted Fantasy, Fantasy you see, kind of like he's struggling with fame, what he wants to do. Jesus shows you that he's pissed off about certain issues, certain things, and he's like, yo, fuck this, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Life of Pablo, you kind of get the the which one. Am I going to be a father now, or am I going to be what I used to be, is what everybody expects me to be. Then you kind of get, after Life of Pablo, you get yay, where it's kind of like, okay, remember last time I told you I was debating uh, if I wanted to be a father, or if I wanted to continue who I was, I chose to be a father, and this is what I'm dealing with now. So I feel like just that transition kind of ties it up with being that lost soul looking for when he lost his mom, looking for somewhere to belong, looking for something of his own to creating that, then to being in the parallels of I've created this family. If I keep doing what I was doing before, I'm going to lose that. But if I don't do what I did before, then I'm not who they want me to be, and I have a potential of losing my music career or being a father. And I felt like that ties the whole story together, being lost, and now he's home. God, it, uh... It literally, which I mean, I'm I'm very I'm very weepy in general, but literally brings tears to my eyes because for the last like three years that we've been doing this podcast, we keep talking about this like album by album journey that you can kind of see unfolding as Kanye dramatizes his internal journey, but just does it in this fictional hyperbolic way, and uh, how little that's understood or recognized. Mm-hmm. and feeling like, you know, 50 years from now, people will get it. But we're currently in the phase yeah. where, like, so many people just think that if you if you recognize those things, it's reaching or you're making things up. Yeah. And just to hear you describe it and describe it with, like, that clarity and accuracy, that's one of the whole... Uh, it just feels nice to know that other people yeah. recognize it and yeah, see man. it. And, and even like there's so much little things that like he does and like it's just like you think it's crazy like i don't know maybe it's luck or maybe whatever but like there's just so much little things he does that you're like oh this guy's fucking nuts 
And then it happens. Like when he, but I remember the Zane Lowe interview and he was like, yo, Walt Disney. I'm the next Steve Jobs. You're looking at him like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? But, <laughs> but, he, but he is. You may not agree with how he does things or how he says it or what he says, but he's really thinking into that, not right now, but for the future. Like he's really thinking like, the whole thing with the Nike thing, like, imagine if that didn't happen. Like, imagine if he was just like, oh, okay, whatever, man. You guys want to do whatever. I'll just take the shoes and go, whatever. You wouldn't have all these people getting these, like, look how, like, before it used to be uh, apparel company, whether it's sneakers or whatever. We have an artist wear our clothes, and then they do a little ad, and then we send them home. Now it's full-on collaborations. You see Virgil working with, with, um, with Louis Vuitton. You see Puma working with the weekend and it's not like they get like oh here's a here's like a, a kanye west shoe like kind of they did with the red octobers where it's a nike shoe with kanye west all right when we're done with that it's, you're out of the way like now because he fought for that obviously they gave other people like they gave drake a, a deal out of spite and stuff like that but now people are able to do that you're able to have like i'm working with the jordan brand but it's not jordan brand just put my name on some sneakers they already have like i'm choosing the colors the colors are dedicated to what i believe in and what i think like that's what he fought for. And even like what he was doing with Adidas, like when a lot of people are like, oh, he's leaving Nike, Nike's a top, whatever, Adidas isn't anything. He made Adidas popular. He made Adidas kind of what they are today. And it was just based off of the principles. Like, yo, we're gonna create these things. I need the, inf- I remember him doing the interviews. I need the infrastructure. I can't create at the Zara level. I can't create at the H&M level because I don't have the factories. I can't, I can't do the ball main shit because they don't want me there. They don't. I've interned. I've done this. I've done that. So it wasn't a point of him saying, "Oh, I'm Kanye West and I want to design shoes, so you better let me." It's they took the time. They learned the design. They interned. They worked for people. They did shit. And it's just like if you could do all that and they still don't want you to do it, then it's just like, like I don't get it. Like people were. It's like you would look at me and I, I would tell you like I'm a millionaire and I would tell you, "Yo, I want to buy a car," but they won't let me. And you're looking at me like you're a millionaire. What do you mean they won't let you buy a car? And it's just like, well, you know, the car that I want, you actually have to get a recommendation to get it. And it doesn't matter if I'm rich or not. I can't do it. And you're like, oh, but you're stupid. You have money. You're rich. Get the car. It's that breaking down that barrier where you understand how products go out, how products are designed, how like when he was telling the story about the Red Octobers where he's saying like he asked them when they're coming out and they said, we don't know. What? Like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Like, I can see how you'd get frustrated. It's like, yeah. what do you, what do you mean you don't know? If you don't know, who knows? And then like, even, even him saying like they were trying to like use it as a bargaining chip. Like, oh, you want the Red Octobers in your store? Well, you got to take these other Nikes, the ones that aren't really selling that well. You got to take these in your store too. And it's just like, it became more of a. I feel like with that, it, be, it was less of a we. You have something that could really be something big. And we're here to work with you to make it the best it can be. Whereas, all right, we recognize that you're a little bit bigger than we thought we could be. And we realize that we can't control how big it's going to be. We can't put a cap on it. So we're just going to – my favorite word that I got from him is we're just going to marginalize you. And we're going to say, all right, cool. You're only going to be able to do this because we're not giving you any royalties. We're not letting you design anything. We're not letting you do anything. And like 10 years ago, a lot of artists would have been like, oh, cool. My name's on some Nikes from Reebok. Sure. Just, you know, I'll do the commercial. Give me a little bit of money and I'll be on my way. Where it's just like you can own what you want to do. You can have more of a say than just being the spokesperson who says, oh, Colgate. Use Colgate because it's nice. <laughs> you can say, hey, use Colgate because I designed the, the toothpaste color 
is this, this, and this, and it helps this, this, and this, and da da da. da. It's like it, he allows you to be more of just the, the scapegoat for these companies where a lot of people would just be like, if Nike came to me right now and was like, hey, we want you to do a campaign ad where you're going to wear such and such and such, a lot of people should be like, oh, Nike, yeah, I need it? Okay, cool, whatever. Now it's giving creatives, artists, the, the ability to say, hey, we're creating our own things like Off-White, Hood by Air, and those things are becoming such, like even look at um, V-Loan, these things are becoming such the hype where you have no choice but to collab with us, and we know better than for you to just get some Nike shirt and put our logo on it, and then you just give us a little bit of money, and you make the rest of the profit. It's a collaboration. So we're partners, we're equal. So I have a say, and you have a say. And like I felt like if he didn't fight that battle, a lot of people wouldn't be doing what they're doing now. Very, very, very well said. I'm just nodding along the whole time that you're saying all this. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think we're at the time for your last call. So you get uninterrupted period just to talk on whatever you want to talk about. Kanye, uh-huh. not Kanye. Uh, it can be 10 seconds, 10 minutes. It's uh, your, your stage. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm going to keep it not too long. Um, I'm going to start off with one of my favorite Kanye West moments, the Pusha T release party. That was like, I remember like that was like, damn, where he was just like, I'm a little bit gone right now. I might be off that goose right now. Um, that was like one of the greatest moments ever. And it's just like stuff like that where it's just like the way the industry is set up, it's just like they're designed to like make you doubt yourself or doubt what you're doing. Like they'll be like, you'll have like the next big thing and they'll try to downplay it like oh well you know it's all right we could kind of do something with it where it's just like he was when he was doing it at the release party he was talking like he had to remind Pusha T that he's Pusha T like Lord willing Pusha T the way you niggas dressing with the Pyrex and the snapbacks that's Pusha T like the fact that someone like that who's had such an influential stamp on hip-hop that even the best of the best have to be reminded like yo you're Pusha T don't let these don't let these companies try to say this or do that and like even with um new slaves like fuck you and your corporation y'all niggas can't control me like that's that's a big thing because like that's what they try to do they try to get they see that they're able to capitalize off of you and like if you're not if you don't understand what you're doing understand how you're doing it like you can get played out of not even like a lot of money but you can just get played in general where you feel like this person's my friend or like these people are they're not your friends we're not your friends like at the end of the day it's business like yeah when you come to the building they laugh at you and they smile with you but if you're not bringing in the money that they expect you to bring in guess what there's gonna be a little receipt that says this is how much you owe and we need that at the end of the day and i feel like a lot of artists even with myself i guess i'm guilty of it too like we just need to stop like crying like I realized that like, okay, you auditioned for a show, they don't want, they don't, for whatever reason, you didn't make the show and you felt like you deserve to be on the show, stop crying about it. Don't go on Twitter and say, oh, the city sucks or the city's not supportive because they're not putting up and, stop the crying. Like for what I did, like I auditioned for a couple of shows I felt like I should have been on, I should have been on and they didn't put me on it. Okay, cool. Like I get into my Kanye mode, like, all right, that's what we're doing. I'm gonna hold my own show. I'm gonna have my own show. And when my things start to click and when, when when things start working for me and you want me to perform at your show, whether you're paying or not, I'm not doing it. Like, you got to, instead of trying to cry about it and try to get, a lot of artists nowadays, I feel like, get this, try to get the sympathy vote, where it's just like, oh, a lot, everybody has stuff going on in their life where they feel like, oh, 
my life sucks or this sucks and if you would just listen to my music you could help me out or you could this or you could do that like stop the crying like figure out like majority of the time when i'm doing when i'm not making music or marketing is thinking of how can i leverage myself to say yo at the end of the day when i get this complete when so and so wants to work with me so the blog that um didn't want to cover me when I was coming up. I want to be as big as an artist. So when they do, so let's say for example, Double XL doesn't want to post my album because they feel like I'm not popping enough or my music isn't good. When my music is, is that good and it gets that recognition and they want to post me, I just tell them, yo, I get a little tweet. Oh, new song of the week. I just tweet them, yo, it's okay. No, thanks. I don't need your platform. I don't need your this. You got to figure out ways to leverage yourself. They don't want you to perform at their shows. Have your own shows. Make your shows better than them. So when they want to come and they're having their shows and they're paying to perform, and like that's one of the best feelings. Like, oh, you want to pay me five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars to perform? It's okay. I don't need it. Another thing a lot of artists need to have is integrity. I felt like with integrity, with being an artist, just like okay, cool. Like I don't like how I don't like how certain situations are handled. Obviously, business is business. If it benefits you, cool. But like. The way I'm real petty, so like the way I'm at, it's just like, okay, cool. You didn't want to post my, my music for whatever reason. And it's not like, I get it. Some people haven't seen it. They're not aware of it, whatever. But when I know you're aware of it and you didn't chose, you didn't choose to post it when I was coming up, now that I'm starting to buzz or whatever, you want to post it, I'll gladly tell you, yo, no thanks. There's no need for you to post it. Like, it's okay. Keep doing what you're doing before. Keep that same energy. And like, like that's artist integrity. Like now because you're popping or you whatever, you don't have to welcome everybody. You don't have to shake everybody's hand. You don't, once you once you build things on your own. So I'm not saying not to take a co-sign or not to take a handout because everybody needs help. Every Nobody can do whatever they want to do without getting help. Even the richest person in the world has to talk to his um, accountant or finances and see if this is a good move. So everybody has help. But I mean, like when you get to that point where it's just like you build your shit on your own, that's the biggest thing. It's not about... I hear a lot of people saying I'm independent, I'm this, I'm that. Building your own platform. So let's say I have a, I connect with watching the Throne podcast and they play my music for Kanye West. It's my job now to establish a relationship with Kanye West so that in the future, you never know, maybe I don't want to talk to Watch the Throne podcast or they don't want to talk to me. I still have that relationship for myself where I have my platform where I can say, okay, cool. So-and-so doesn't want to work with me. It's not, oh shit, what am I supposed to do now? Because they were my connection to this or that. It's like, okay, cool. I built myself my own. I'm not, my song only is popping if a blog, if a blog post it. So if you don't get a blog post, what are you going to do? Like you have to build stuff for yourself. I'm like, a lot of people will tell you how you should be doing this or you should have done this or you should do this. Or the, the, the big classic one is, oh, I know a guy who knows a guy who could, if you do this, he can help you out and maybe you can meet so-and-so. The biggest thing I took away from Kanye West was Sway really didn't have the answers. And like, if you listen to the interview, I don't think he was shouting to be like viral or whatever, but it's just that annoying thing where someone's telling you like, oh, but you should just do this and you should do that. And there's a lot of people in the music industry or even not in the music industry, just in your life who have uninformed opinions that'll pass as the truth or they know exactly what they're talking about. Well, they're not really sure. And there's nothing wrong with having an uninformed opinion. That's why we ask questions or we learn. But it's just like, you got to be able to filter out the the opinions that know what they're saying and the opinions that are uninformed. They're just, they see things at a surface level. So when Sway's telling Kanye, oh, you could do it yourself. You could do this. You could do, yeah, you could do it himself. But it depends on the level that you want to do it. Like if you want to be in a retail store, you want to do certain things like that, you need the infrastructure. You need buildings. You need factories. You need this. You need that. 
you can't just say, oh, I'm Kanye West, so I'm just gonna make a, I'm gonna make this and this and this and that, and then, yeah, because I'm Kanye West, it's gonna sell. As much as they'd like you to think that's how it works, that's not how it works. You hear all these little, like, on Twitter, I hear all these little, like, miracle stories. Oh, I was homeless, or I was this, and I believed in my dreams, so I took my $200, and I moved to L.A., and I, I'm my music is playing on this platform now. Believe in your dreams. What a lot of the people, those people don't tell you is the help that they got. Yeah, they took their last $200. They went to L.A. They didn't tell you that they lived in the park. They didn't tell you that they slept under a bridge. They didn't tell you that by accident they walked into a record record executive and they seen them and they had a chance to play them their music and that's how they got to where they got they always sell you the dream they always sell you the like we were talking about earlier the highs they never show you the low so a lot of artists are thinking oh what i'm gonna do is oh my city doesn't support me well i'm gonna take my money i'm gonna go to this other city that doesn't know me that doesn't fuck with me and i don't know anybody over there but just because they don't know me when i go over there magically everybody's gonna like me because i'm from somewhere else it's just like you have to if you can't establish those simple things at home what makes you think you're gonna go to someone else's place and do that if you look at any sports everybody wants to play at home yeah there's gonna be games where you play away but you want to play at home because that's to your advantage nobody knows home like somebody like like yourself like where you're from so i don't see how you think you're gonna go to an away game and wow the crowd when the crowd did cheer for their hometown so you kind of gotta work on your stuff at home and bring it wherever you go but you can't just expect like oh i don't have anything established at home so i'm gonna go somewhere else and establish that because when you go to let's say i'm from toronto you go to la and you say oh i'm the biggest artist and i'm this and i'm the next up and then they call their friend in toronto hey do you know so and so nah i never heard of him it it's counterproductive because now you're in la wasting your time where you need to build that that grassroots at home and it's just like with people everybody has opinions or it's your parents your friends you really got to figure out the people that are there to help. There's people who have suggestions who want to help, who can't really help, and there's people who are there to help. Like one of my biggest things when we're doing discussions is we're making a song, we're doing a photo shoot, we're making a cover. It's okay for you not to like it, but I hate I hate like open-ended opinions like, oh, I don't like it. What don't you like about it? Oh, I don't know. I just don't like it. Like you might as well keep that opinion to yourself because it doesn't allow us to improve. It doesn't allow us to bring things to the next level it's just really it's just not I'd say discouraging but it doesn't add to it whereas if i'm working with my creative director whether it's sean gardner or josh michael when i when i show josh a, a cover art i'm like yo what do you think if he doesn't like it he's not gonna say oh i don't like it he's gonna say well the font doesn't speak to me in the way i think that you wanted to the picture doesn't correlate the message that i think you're trying to do so I don't know what you're trying to do, but if this is what you're trying to tell me, you need to change these things. So now I know, okay, cool. I want people to feel sad when they read the font. The font that I have doesn't doesn't make people feel sad, so I need to change that. Where it's not a where it's not where I'm playing a a puzzle game or a questionnaire where it's like, "Oh, I don't like it." So then I sit there and analyze it for 4 days, 2 weeks thinking, "Hmm, what doesn't he like?" And when I ask him, he says he doesn't know. So, "Hmm, let me see if I can figure this out." He gave me criticism, good or bad, however I want to take it, but I'm aware that the message that I'm trying to display with the things that I'm using isn't connecting. So now I'm able to fix that. Or if I want to say, this is how I want it to be, this is how I want it to be. But at the end of the day, I still, I'm still aware of that. This needs to be changed. This needs to be fixed. You got to work with people who want to be there. So like my manager, when we're doing, when we're doing anything, if I go to any studio session I go to, he's there. If he can't make it, I send him the files. If I don't send him the files, I'm getting a message like, yo, where's the files? Yo, where's the songs? Yo, yo, 
one thing about our relationship is he doesn't ask me like, oh, did you make music today? Or, oh, did you write songs? Or, oh, when are we going to the studio? He knows if I make songs, I'm sending it over. Here you go. I made these 13 songs today. Let me know which ones you like, and then we'll go from there. And when he's doing, when we're doing like our promotion shit, like I don't have to ask him like, hey, did you email so-and-so? Did you um, double check this? Did you do that? Like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm asking to do it. I'll be like, yo, we need to message this these people because we need to get an interview. All right, cool. Four days later, whenever they respond, if they don't respond, hey, so-and-so didn't respond. Still waiting for a response. Yo, they said Thursday, six o'clock, we'll meet. Like, he does his thing, I do my thing, and we both work together. It's not where, like, he's my manager, but I gotta kind of manage him to see, hey, did you send that email? If there's an email that needs to be sent or a song that needs to be sent, I'm not asking. I'm not double checking to see if it's done. He's gonna let me know it's done or it's not. You gotta surround yourself with a team that wants to work. And most of all, you gotta work. You gotta stop looking at what other people do because there's a lot of people out here that are getting help or assigned to labels or whatever who try to pass it off as they're not. Kinda gotta stop comparing yourself to artists. You kinda gotta stop trying to compete. And when I say compete, I don't mean like don't make the best music possible or whatever, but you kinda gotta work within your means. So if someone's doing an album, it doesn't mean, oh, I have to do an album or people aren't gonna like my music. You gotta think about your financial. At the end of the day, we're still humans. I feel like that's one of the biggest things I learned. Like I spent maybe almost $5,000 on a short film. I don't know when it's coming out because it's not where I want it to be and I'm working on new shit. I'm not there like, oh, so-and-so did a short film, so we gotta get our short film together because that's like, no, you gotta work at your own pace at your own time because to be honest, what a lot of us artists forget is that it only takes one. Whether it's a video, a song, a project, a picture, it only takes one thing to change your life forever, to put you where you need to be. So we kind of got to slow down with when you see people like Future dropping two albums in two weeks or Drake doing a double disc. Like all those things are cool, but you got to understand the means to your situation and realizing that someone else would be able to get away with doing a double disc album because they have funding or they don't pay for studio time or their engineers are part of their team so he does it for free where you don't really see those things where you spend your life. I can, I can tell you the amount of times I've spent my life savings mixing albums or mixing songs that I just listen to in the car and nobody's ever gonna hear. But you gotta really, like as an artist in today's generation, you gotta find stuff that works for you. You gotta find a team that works for you. You just gotta follow your dreams because at the end of the day, there's a whole bunch of people that'll tell you not to do this or not to do that. But if you actually sit down and talk to them and ask them, what did, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Oh, I wanted to be this, this, and this. Why didn't you do it? 90% of the time, it's because somebody else told them it wasn't a good idea. And if you ask them, hey, if you can go back, what would you change? It's probably the fact that they listened to that person. So closing remarks, I'm just saying, remember who you, like Kanye said to Pusha T, that's Pusha T. I had to remind Pusha T who he is. So just remember to yourself who you are, what you want to be and like instant gratification isn't always good yeah you want to put out music or put out art or put out pictures and instantly get everybody to like it a thousand likes a thousand comments but you got to understand because just because it doesn't get that in the first hour or the first month doesn't mean it's not good um the amount of numbers that somebody gets just shows you how much help they're having and that's it you just gotta if your numbers aren't where you want it to be you just need more help you need more people on your team and that's about it Tell 
This is the last call for alcohol.